In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. A warm welcome to morning Mass here at St. Bride's Church in Camden Lang, which is, of course, the funeral Mass for the repose of the soul of Maureen O'Keen. Welcome to John, and welcome to Martin and Helen and Stephen. Uh, welcome to their spouses, Julie, Craig and Cara. And welcome to the children, the grandchildren, not all here today, but I will name them, Hannah and Ewan and Megan and Scotland and Callum and uh, Maisie and Ada and Joseph. Welcome also to Joseph and Kathleen and, and Francis, uh, their spouses and their families. And welcome, of course, to the extended family who are here uh, today. And, of course, special welcome to all of the family friends who have joined us. The Mass is uh, audio recorded uh, today, uh, and I greet all of those who will join us in the audio recording in places as far afield as Canada and Australia. On a day like today, there is great sadness, especially for Maureen's uh, family, but for all of us who have known Maureen too, we feel the loss keenly. She was an exceptional person in many ways. Her courage, her inner strength, and her joyfulness shone out for all of us. There is sadness today, but there is joy as we think of her life. She had great inner strength and infinite reserves of resilience, great patience, and of course, great good humour too. We gather to celebrate the Eucharist today, and once again we turn to God, who heals the brokenhearted, who binds up all our wounds, who lifts us up when we fall down. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Who lives and believes in me shall not die, but they shall live. To prepare ourselves to celebrate these sacred mysteries, we first call to mind our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, what I have done and what I have failed to do. My fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, Almighty Father, our faith professes that your Son died and rose again. Mercifully grant that through this mystery, your servant, who has fallen asleep in Christ, may rejoice to rise again through him, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God for ever and ever. reading from the Book of Wisdom. The souls of the virtuous are in the hands of God. No torment shall ever touch them. In the eyes of the unwise, they did appear to die. Their going looked like a disaster. They're leaving us like annihilation. But they are in peace. If they experience punishment as men see it, 
their hope was rich with immortality. Slight was their affliction, great will their blessings be. God has put them to the test and proved them worthy to be with him. He has tested them like gold in a furnace and accepted them as a holocaust. When the time comes for his visitation, they will shine out. As sparks run through the stubble, so will they. They shall judge nations, rule over peoples, and the Lord will be their king forever. They who trust in him will understand the truth. Those who are faithful will live with him in love. For grace and mercy await those he has chosen. The word of the Lord.
reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. We know that when the tent we live in on earth is folded up, there is a house built by God for us, an everlasting home not made by human hands in the heavens. We are always full of confidence. Then, when we remember that to live in the body means to be exiled from the Lord, going as we do by faith and not by sight, we are full of confidence, I say, and actually want to be exiled from the body and make our home with the Lord. Whether we are living in the body or exiled from it, we are intent on pleasing him. For all the truth about us will be brought out in the law court of Christ, and each of us will get what he deserves for the things he did in the body, good or bad. The word of the Lord. with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus went into Capernaum, a centurion came up and pleaded with him. Sir, he said, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and in great pain. I will come myself and cure him, said Jesus. The centurion replied, sir, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. Just give the word and my servant will be cured. For I am under authority myself and have soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and they go. To another, come here, and they come. To my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you solemnly, nowhere in Israel have I found faith like this. And I tell you that many will come from east and west, to take their places with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be turned out into the dark, and there will be white weeping and grinding of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go back, you have believed, so let this be done for you. And the servant was cured at that moment. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm sure that you've noticed from the Gospels that Jesus was very often in the company of people who were sick. It often strikes me, listening to those different passages, that they tell us, first of all, of the huge number of people who came to him that were sick. And secondly, they don't hide the fact of the severity of those illnesses. 
and he must have been terrible to behold. A man with a withered hand, a person who was born blind, people suffering from leprosy, ailments of the mind, people hemorrhaging, uh, those suffering from epileptic fits. And it's often interesting, isn't it, to see how Jesus himself deals with all these sick people, aside from the cures. He never seems to tire of the crowds who come, never turns anyone away, never seems impatient, never makes light of people's ailments. People who are outcasts through sickness, he approaches and even touches them, although by the law he was not permitted to do this, lest he become ritually impure. His attitude is always one of compassion and tenderness. On one occasion, as you might remember, someone asks him, do you want to heal me? And his answer is, of course, I want to heal you. Be healed. It's no doubt, is it, that to be sick is a great human trial. It tests us at every level, physically, mentally, and spiritually too. Those who are sick are often tested to the limits. Pain has a way of weighing you down, clouding your thoughts, and especially when it's severe and, of course, uh, is long-lasting, long prolonged. Today, as we think of Maureen, we sense that we were in the company of one who knew the trials of illness, an illness which, for her, was long and, at times, severe too. But in her, we saw someone who rose above the illness and who, in many ways, triumphed over the illness. For within her were great human qualities that shielded her. In her strength, great courage, great resilience, and of course a great sense of humour too, and a great Christian faith. Everything was met with a smile, cheerfulness and positivity, and a great desire to keep going. Some people who are long-term sick are very often defined by their illness, not Maureen, the opposite, the contrary. Despite the waves of illness, she remained the same person, strong, cheerful, and of course full of life. In the Gospels we hear that Jesus is close to the sick, physically close to them, in their company and near them. His presence leaves them with a sort of healing in any kind of way, sometimes physically, but sometimes it's a healing in other forms. Healing and inner strength came to Maureen in a very tangible way, for faith gave her the power and a strong desire to live and overcome the illness. There might not be the cure that was desired, but there were even more fantastic things along the way. Battles won, great perseverance and great courage right to the end. Later in the Mass, both John and Stephen will give a tribute to Maureen, how good it will be to hear their words on behalf of the family for what she meant to all of them. Just a, a few brief words for myself about Maureen's life. Uh, John and Stephen will say more. Maureen was born on the 30th of November, 1947, Feast of St Andrew, 
anyone born on the patron saint of Scotland's uh, feast day surely must turn out to be all right. They get a head start on the rest of us. She has a brother Joseph and sisters Kathleen and Francis with us here today. Maureen loved them and they loved Maureen. They've been dedicated to her and very close to her all their lives. And of course they were there in those final hours. It's a beautiful thing to see the love and affection that was between them. Both John and Maureen married in 1970, not quite the summer of love. I think that might have been 1968. They have had 53 years of marriage. John says 53 years and never a crossword. <laughs> I used to say to Maureen, you must be a saint living with a hedy. <laughs> she said, he's not the hedy in the house, Father. <laughs> they have a very happy marriage and a contented marriage and I want to say this to you, John O'Keen, today. You've been a wonderful husband to Maureen. Children, uh, Martin, Helen and Stephen, came along, and both Maureen and John were great parents, supportive, loving and caring. It made them very proud to see the three of them do so well in life. Great joy came later in life uh, when the children themselves married their spouses, Joey and Craig and Cara, and of course the arrival of the grandchildren, Hannah, Ewan, Megan, Caitlin, Callum, Maisie, Ada and Joseph. They were the apple of Maureen and John's eye. To grow up with grandparents, love is a very special thing indeed. In life, Maureen herself was very smart, sharp and intelligent. She excelled and was an accomplished medical researcher. She was smart and intelligent in so many different ways. She made numerous friends over a lifetime and I'm sure many are here today. She was especially dedicated to this parish, participated in all aspects of its life and made a very fine contribution to it. And there was immensely kind to us who have been the priests here. And I wish to publicly express my thanks to her for the great contribution that she's made to our parish. For myself, I wanted to single out a few things that I've often thought about Maureen. First was how self-effacing and how humble she was. She also always seemed to be thinking of others and not herself and never complained of the limitations that illness brought her. And then there was that sense of humour. She was always laughing, always seeing the funny side of life, always quick to laugh, and she would pull certain faces that would make you laugh too. And the third and final thing that I'd like to say is about her bravery and courage that she showed, which were so amazing. There are some people that you meet in life that stand out of the crowd. People who have qualities that are special and people that are much better than you realise that you could ever be yourself. 
In my book, Maureen is one of these people and stands very high indeed. For her family, she means the world, but for us who have had the privilege to know her, we too feel blessed as well. The readings of Mass today speak in different ways about faith and how comforting and consoling it can be. It reminds us that God is never distant from us. He is always with us. The Gospel tells us this today, that Jesus is there when we're troubled, when we're worried, when we're sick or broken. He's never far away and never tired of being with us. Maureen never believed that God was distant from her, never believed that he was absent. She always believed in his care and and his love for her. Today in the Mass, which meant so much to her, we present her to the loving God whom she believed in and trusted in all her days. He's here also to care for us, the broken-hearted, to bind up wounds, to lift us up. He is never far from us, nor is he absent. He's here with us today. God bless you today, Maureen. May he bless you with peace at the end of life's journey. We thank you for your goodness and kindness to all of us in you. May God reward you abundantly. Peace and blessings on you. I invite you to stand for the prayers of people. confidence we make our prayers to our Heavenly Father for all our needs. For Maureen. Maureen lived life with a quiet dignity and a great sense of patience and forbearance. She was known for her smiling acceptance of her situation, her concern for others, her cheerfulness and her quirky sense of humour. May she now rest in peace. Lord, help us all to live our lives following Maureen's example. Lord, hear us. Lord, For Maureen's family. Maureen's family surrounded her with love, care and comfort at home throughout her life. Lord, now comfort her husband John, her children Martin, Helen and Stephen and all members of the family as they try to cope with this great loss. Lord, hear us. Lord, for all involved in medical research, Maureen wished that a cure for MS could be found. Lord, guide and inspire all those working in this field of research in order that soon a cure for this debilitating disease will be found. Lord, hear us. For all professional carers and medical staff, We are grateful for the many cheerful carers and medical staff who work selflessly in our area. Lord, give all carers and medical staff the strength and compassion 
to continue to carry out their difficult tasks with dignity, kindness, and good humour. Lord, hear us. For all who are sick, infirm, and suffering at this time, Lord, may they and their carers be strengthened by your grace. Lord, hear us. For our priests, especially Father Morton, Father Morton is called upon to give succour and strength at the most difficult times in the lives of families. Lord, grant Father Morton and all priests and ministers the grace, fortitude and dedication to sustain them in this challenging ministry. Lord, hear us. Behold before us the past and the present. Behold before us the desires of so many hearts. You who are the Lord of human history and the Lord of every human heart, be with us. Christ Jesus, eternal Son of God, be with us. And we ask all our prayers through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Come now to the offertory of today's Mass and invite you to sing the offertory hymn.
with your brothers and sisters that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we humbly present to you these sacrificial offerings, O Lord, for the salvation of your servant Maureen, we beseech your mercy that she who did not doubt your son to be a loving saviour may find in him a most merciful judge. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For even though by our own fault we perish, yet by your compassion and your grace, when seized by death according to our sins, we are redeemed through Christ's great victory and with him called back into life. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly in the earth and before you, without end, we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth, are full of your glory, Hosanna in the We are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more, giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that sharing in the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. So remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, her Pope, Joseph, her Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember Maureen, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that she who is united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection. And remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Joseph, her spouse, the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life, and we praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours forever and ever. We pray with confidence to God our Father in the prayer that Jesus has taught us. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, and graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin, and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, look not in our sins, but in the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And now let's offer one another a sign of peace and friendship. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. come forward for Holy Communion, but if you don't want to receive Holy Communion today, but maybe would like to receive a blessing, uh, feel free to come up and just to place your hand on your breast, and I'll give you a blessing. If you don't wish Communion or a blessing, then just to remain seated where you are.
Lord God, whose Son left us in the sacrament of his body, food for the journey, mercifully grant that, strengthened by it, our dear sister may come to the eternal table of Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated.
Good morning, everyone. Um, I'd like to just start off by saying various thanks on behalf of our family. Firstly, thanks to everyone in attendance today, for those that have travelled far and wide, and for those that have, I have no doubt have rearranged items during a hectic festive period. We've been truly touched by the messages of condolence and support, and it's given us great solace and strength in the recent weeks. My dad would like us to pay a particular and special thanks to all the care and medical professionals that have helped my mum and dad over the years. We've been blessed with amazing support from a wonderful group of carers and district nurses who looked after, respected and, in the main, befriended my mum. Their sense of humour and positivity was reciprocated by my mum, which brightened the days. All of us would like to pay a special thanks to Hare Myers Hospital and specifically Ward 13 during the last few months. They could not have been more compassionate, considerate and sensitive and our family witnessed firsthand the incredible job that the NHS frontline staff perform, not just for patients but also for family members. We would also like to extend the warmest of thanks to Father Morton. Many here today know that he has been a pillar of this parish community over the years. For us, he was a beacon of hope in some of our darkest moments. His presence provided my mum great serenity and peace. And finally, on behalf of Martin and Helen and I, from the bottom of our hearts, we want to thank my mum's siblings, Uncle Joe, Auntie Katie and Auntie Frances. We could not have survived the last few weeks without them, and they are the absolute epitome of committed family members and demonstrated inconceivable levels of resilience and love over the years. My words and sentiments today are on behalf of Martin, Helen and I. We wanted to briefly share what our mum meant to us. I did receive two expert pieces of advice before today, one from my older brother Martin, who looked at me in a very loving elderly sibling way and said, are you sure you can keep it together up there? <laughs> and then Cara, my wife, quite clearly instructed me over the last few days, Stephen, please don't cry up there. You are such an ugly crier. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can make no such promises to be able to follow through on those two pieces of advice. Also, upon distributing the roles and tasks for today, my dad pointed his big head teacher finger at everyone and then finally turned to me and said, in due, you're off the hook for the day. I looked straight back at him and said, under no circumstances am I off the hook. I think there's only two people that could ever speak back to Dr. JLK like that and managed to get the last word in. <laughs> my mum taught me well and she always took my side. <laughs> Plus, I think most know here um, that my mum wouldn't want me missing out on the limelight as well. That's all the easy bits over. <laughs> I do not have enough words. There is not enough time. Recanting endless family stories would be futile. All of this would be completely inadequate to be able to accurately portray the love and gratitude that we have for our mum. She had an abundance of rich life qualities that most could only dream to have an ounce of. And that deep reservoir of these qualities were mixed in to, to make a unique blend of a woman who was truly, truly exceptional. Much loved, 
and loving in equal measures. She was strong, loyal, devoted, selfless, caring, strong-willed, although most did see that as pure stubbornness, <laughs> intelligent, determined, independent, thoughtful, always optimistic and progressive, silly and humorous, patient, supportive, brave, which is a complete understatement, trusting. She had a radiant smile. She was creative, a great listener. A cup of tea offered, it was had. If that was complimented by a cake or a biscuit, even better. Throw in some doilies and then it was officially a party. <laughs> she was a brilliant wind-up as well, normally to my dad um, or sometimes the grandkids before bed. Any family get-togethers, she was bang in the centre. And she was captivated with her grandchildren, their achievements and their antics. She was all of these things mixed into one, able to deploy whatever quality was needed for that scenario, which was mainly for the benefit of others and her children. We now truly realise this as it's brought into sharp focus. But all we saw was her mum, albeit a remarkable superhuman mum. My mother and father shared an indescribable burden through the years. Shouldering that burden was for the primary focus of being able to create a platform for their children to flourish, untainted by the struggles that they endured. It's impossible to repay in deeds what my mother and father have done for Martin, Helen and me. They were fearless parents, taking the more difficult approach to parenthood by resisting the urge to influence too much or hold too close, allowing us to fly the nest. These words may sound harsh and combative, but the result was far from the truth. We remember nothing but warmth, positivity, and the greatest testament to how they parented us was how we live our lives and have created three individual loving family units of our own. That is now my mum's legacy. We take forward her outlook and embracing of life with our own children. My mum and dad also taught us the true meaning of love. And contrary to some claims that John O'Keen has already made and made to Father Morton, I can confirm that there were some crosswords <laughs> over the years, <coughs> albeit trivial at best. Everyone here today, I believe, would articulate, visualise or explain love in different forms and examples. My mum and dad demonstrated it for 60 years. 60 years of commitment, abiding loyalty, and complete, unwavering self-sacrifice. Even having been so close to them, I am in awe of what they've achieved together, shouldering so much out of pure love for one another and for the protection of their children. The observant and attentive among you today will have noted a glaring omission so far. I refuse to give it oxygen or utter the name, because that's what my mum did. She didn't give it oxygen. Yes, it was there, 
And yes, it was confronted head on, but it did not dictate the terms. It did not orchestrate our family. It did not hold us back. It did not diminish the richness of her life. It did not limit her successes. It did not suffocate our family love. It did not tarnish the life experiences that we had together. It is not what we saw. She was our mum. It did not win. Maureen O'Keen won. She won her whole life. And in such, we are all winners and we now reap the benefits. We're so proud to be able to call her our mum. Privileged and thankful to have been part of her life. My mum would always say, I'm fine, if you asked if she was okay, and then she'd quickly ask after others or you. We can now take that forward with us. So mum, dad, Martin, Helen and I are fine. We miss you more with each passing moment, but we will strive to live our lives the way you embrace yours. It's our turn to look after my dad, which we will do. Mum, I love you. We all love you. Be peaceful. You deserve it. Watch over us. We'll make you proud. Thank you. Follow that. <laughs> you should, you should, you know, just give you a wee kind of moment just to gather yourself. I'm sure I've, I've, I've got a cold. <laughs> right. Um, at the moment, I can actually hear Maureen. She's saying, thank God he's more than a T-shirt. <laughs> I, won't, I won't take long, honestly. Um, I didn't quite know what to say because I knew what Stephen was going to say. Um, so I can't say this will be a traditional, Marnie, this is your life. It's not going to be like that. What I'd rather do is just mention a few things that a few people know about Maureen, but it's not widely known. Uh, perhaps it paints a fuller picture of what I think was an exceptional woman. The devilish sense of humour Stephen referred to earlier on was there from the moment I met her. Um, there's a poem, many of you will know it, by Jenny Joseph. It's called, I think it's called Warning. And it's basically written from the perspective of a middle-aged woman threatening to become more and more outrageous as they get older. Look it up, it's really quite funny. It includes such things as this Jenny Joseph threatening to um, hoard beer mats, wear odd shoes. Uh, but Maureen's particular favourites were... Um, wearing purple, like all the time, <laughs> and learning to spit. <laughs> she thought that was quite funny. Um, the photograph on the order of service, the, the headshot of, of Maureen, truthfully, is one of very, very few that we could find where Maureen is relaxed, full face, and smiling to camera. Honestly, we couldn't find very many. There are plenty where she's hiding her face behind her hand, other people, a tea towel, a milk carton, 
she was somewhat elusive when it came to capturing images of the Mori. Um, she was not a, a, a committed photographic subject, let me put it that way. In the past, um, she was a medical researcher, as, as uh, Father Morton mentioned, and she did indeed publish you know, scientific papers in the literature. I actually have one beside me, The Lancet, 1972. I don't know why we still have it, and I know you'd be very interested in it because it's called Elevation of Alcohol Dehydrogenase Activity in Subclinically Scorbutic <laughs> Subjects. So I know that'll explain to you entirely what she was doing. Um, uh, where am I? Ah, it clears up all your uncertainties. In our early, early years together, and our friends will know this and remember it, um, I met Maureen on the 9th of December 1963, just as a matter of interest. But very quickly, she became quite adept at pronouncing my name as two separate syllables. John! <laughs> now, that covered a multitude of sins. It could be a moan. But most often, it was actually a kind of, I don't know, slight disapproval. <laughs> slight. But she had much to disapprove of in me, let me put it that way. But it was always delivered with what I call tenderness. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, that's the wrong way around. I'll go, I'll go this way, right? Maureen never knowingly conceded that I was ever right about anything. <laughs> Not once in her entire life. Um, and there are many witnesses to that in here. Um, she was the glue which held our family together. Of that, there is no doubt. Um, I think she played a similar role among friendship groups, and those of you who were close to her will, will perhaps recognise that. Indeed, one of this congregation today has been Maureen's pal since day one, primary one. That's how long she held her to friends. Um, in more recent years, um, she hammed it up a bit more. Jot on, it disappeared. You know, it wasn't quite the same effect. Um, um, she then started calling me John Darling. <laughs> I mean, it was... Uh, very much tongue-in-cheek. John, darling, uh, it wasn't to call for gin or anything like that. It was to, you know, get me a cup of tea. But so, so adept was she at this that nursing staff, carers, the whole damn world called me John, darling. <laughs> it stops today, okay? <laughs> there are also um, many instances where... Um, she just waved away my concerns about her personal safety. Um, she didn't care about it. And she did learn to spit. She spat right in the eye of MS throughout her life. There are also lots of examples to confirm her sense of independence and determination. Two or three, I won't take long. I remember in Palma Airport, we were coming back from some holiday in, in Mallorca, and she was on a small um, mobility Tricycle. It didn't have four wheels, it had three. So while we were waiting, as you always do in Palm Airport, she went for a wee whirl. She went scooting about the airport. And at one point she decided to take this rather abrupt turn, like so. You know, just tweak it right round about. And the next thing I knew, she took a heater out the other side of the scooter onto the deck. And people rushed to help her. She pushed me about the road. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm okay. I wasn't fine, I'll tell you. She 
she refused a walking stick, refused to use a walking stick forever and ever and ever. Um, as long as possible, she could do without it until a couple of severe falls persuaded her that that was not really the best course of action. Um, but all the, even after these falls, two of which broke shoulders, I mean, quite bad breaks, she would always tell she's fine. She's lying there pale as a ghost, you know, obviously in difficulty. Ah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, uh, she also explained her unusual walking style, her gait, to her younger children. She said, don't worry about it, I'm just a member of the Wobbly Leg Club. <laughs> and that seemed to satisfy the children. Oh, I think that's, that's okay. Um, but, as I say, with two broken shoulders later, it became clear she needed a wee bit more help. But her crowning adventure, and only a few people know about this, um, some years ago, maybe five years ago, we bought a big ocean-going, if I can put it that way, motorised wheelchair, an electric wheelchair. It was like an armchair on wheels, right? And we also had a wheelchair-adapted vehicle where you could lift up the lid, drop the, the ramp, and scoot the, the wheelchair into the back of it. She called it the Pope-mobile. <laughs> so one day we were um, going up to shops at Kingsgate, up to the supermarket at Kingsgate, Nice summer day. Morning scooted into the back of the Portmobile. I drove up to Sainsbury's, gathered up whatever rubbish we were getting. And we came out of Sainsbury's and she said, John, I think I'm going to just go down the road in, in the, the, the wheelchair. And you can take... I said, fine, it was a nice day. And I then spent ten minutes explaining to her, you know, I took her across the main road into Nersen, down the side road, and because I bike it up and down there, I could tell her all the kind of difficult bits to avoid, the pavement and that turn there and all that kind of stuff. So I went down the road, dumped the stuff, waited for money. Waited for money. <laughs> About half an hour, three quarters an hour later, I thought, I better go and look for her. She only had two miles to go downhill. I then spent another hour looking for her. Phoned her mobile phone, nobody answered. I was going to go frantic. Half an hour later, her phone, you know, she rings me on her phone. I said, where are you? She said... I don't quite know, but I think I'm halfway between Canvas Lang and Blantyre. <laughs> but I'm fine. <laughs> Apparently what she did was she went into Nersen, instead of going straight down through Nersen, she slung in an extra right-hand turn and went way down through farms and up down blah, 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 way down to Dalton and all that kind of stuff. When I got her, I was not fine. I was a wee bit, a wee bit angry. Um, nearly finished. I picked her up, as I say, and it was the usual mantra, I'm fine. As you can see, she did have a well-developed sense of um, independence and determination. She did not have a well-developed sense of direction. <laughs> um, finally, I found in her handbag, after her death, a wee note to self. I started crying, of course. There are two things I'd like to mention on it. The first one says, if you want to walk on the water, you have to get out of the boat. And she did. And the second one was, you are making changes. If you're making changes, they all have consequences. And every, in my view, brave step she took, she knew there was a risk, there was a threat, there was a dark side to it, but she did it anyway. And as Stephen and I said, um, 
in all things and to the very end, and I mean to the very end, she insisted she was fine. I'm fine. And in that, she was right again. She was very fine indeed. Thank you. John Darling, yours was lovely too. <laughs> Please stand.
Jesus. Amen.